What's up, everybody? Welcome to I-Town. It is an honor to have you in the house today. I want to take just a minute to say hello to our Bluffton campus, hello to all of you watching online at home through the mobile app or through the website, and hello, of course, to all the correctional facilities and the nearly 100 people in the lobby here at Olson Farms. Come on, church, let's put our hands together. Welcome each other today. Yeah. I am fired up to study God's Word. Grab something to take some notes with. If you haven't already, every time we study the Word, the Holy Spirit brings it to life and will speak something uniquely to you. I think it's so important to take some notes. If you haven't downloaded the app, you can download the iTown Church app and take notes there as well. We are in a series called Get Ready. I am so fired up for what God is going to do in August and September as we head into the fall. There's always great spiritual momentum in our community and in our church, and now is the season for us to prepare for it, and I really believe God gave me a word out of this passage that's our theme verse. In Judges chapter 4, Deborah the deliverer, the judge, is speaking to the leader of the Israelites, and they're being oppressed by the Canaanites at the time, and she delivers this message to Barak, get ready. Everybody say, get ready. Get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over your enemy Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. Listen, church, you need to get ready because now is the time that God is going to begin to answer those prayers that you've been praying maybe for a long time. And my question for you is, are you ready? Are you ready for God to bring that healing to your body? Are you ready for God to bring that restoration to your marriage or to bring your children home or to open that new ministry opportunity or that new career that you've been praying for? Are you ready? Now is the time for us to prepare because God is marching ahead of us. What a wonderful thought that he's already in the season that you have not yet entered, preparing the victory for you. So it's our job just to prepare ourselves spiritually. And so last week we kicked off this series talking about how now is the time for us to stand and fight. We have to know that we are standing on the truth of God's word. Our world is falling apart around us and they don't need this weak, milquetoast, lack of backbone body of Christ. They need the church that's full of the Holy Spirit and power that sees signs and wonders, that sees miracles, that preaches the truth and loves people. And so now is our time to take spiritual ground, to stand against our enemy, the devil, and to fight the spiritual battle for the souls of our community. Today, the title of this message is, I want you to go and fish. Last week was stand and fight. This week is how we do it. It's go and fish. You see, I want you to understand this principle that vision leaks and culture drifts. Vision leaks and culture drifts. That's true for every arena of life which is honestly why God put leadership in place. It's why you have leaders, parents in the home. Why? Because kids lose vision and they lose culture. And so our job as leaders, whether it's in your home, in your business, in a ministry, in the church, my job here as a pastor is to make sure that we're always casting vision and correcting culture. Casting vision, correcting culture. And I can't tell you how many times that Kate and I are like, really, have we forgotten this? Really, we didn't realize this? Really, we have to correct this, but at the end of the day, that's really our job. Hey, everybody, here's where we're going. No, 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 that's not how we're going to do it. That's not our culture. So we have to cast vision and correct culture, and today is one of those messages. I want to cast a lot of vision and make sure you understand the purpose of why we exist as a church. What was Jesus intending to leave behind? Here's our purpose statement, and hopefully you've heard this. If you're new to our church, it's a great one to hear. We exist to just help you move from where you are 
to where God wants you to be. So what that means is that Kate and I don't have a master plan for this organization or for your life, and we just see you all as pawns to plug into a volunteer system that, w- that helps us accomplish our mandate from God. No, the reality is Jesus said, I will build my church. So that means that he has sent you here on purpose. And we believe that you were created on purpose and for a purpose. Our job isn't to tell you what your purpose is. Our job is to help you discover what God made your purpose to be and then position you to be successful in it. And if we can do that, then the church, the body of Christ, will be what God has called it to be. And so we're just coming alongside and helping you identify. Here's where I'm at in the journey, and here are my next steps. And so all of us, myself included, we're continuing to grow to be all God's called us to be. It's a lifetime journey. Well, today, I want to specifically focus on two components of the vision. So we have our mission statement, that purpose statement of helping you move, and the way we do it is reach, connect, grow, and go. Next weekend, we're going to dive much deeper into all of that, but today, I want to just touch on the concept of reaching people and the concept of you being sent to reach people. We have to go and we have to reach Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter one, as he recruits his team, Simon and his brother, Peter and Andrew, he says, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. They were fishers of fish, and Jesus said, look, stop fishing for fish, I'm gonna teach you how to fish for people. What I wanna remind you of today as the body of Christ is that followers of Jesus fish, followers fish. Now, refreshingly, I want to let you know, this does not mean you actually have to fish. Because I don't know about you, and I'm not meaning to uh, offend you if you enjoy fishing, but I am just not a fisherman. It's just not my deal. I, just sitting still and being quiet for long periods of time for two moments of fun. It just doesn't, no, that's not fun to me. That seems horrible, actually. I don't, I, let's go throw some weight around. Let's go play golf. Let's go beat each other up on the basketball court. I'm in all day long. Fishing? No. No, I don't feel that. And I'm hardly paying attention, (laughs) to be honest. I don't feel anything. It just all feels like seaweed. It's all the same. And I think the reason why I hate fishing is because my really only experience has been as a father, where you go fishing and fishing looks like, hey, dad, can you get me a worm? Hey, dad, my bobber fell off. Hey, dad, I lost my hook. Hey, dad, my whole pole is at the bottom of the retention pond. And then Kate is like pulling bass as fast as she can go out of the retention pond, but she won't touch anything either. So I got Kate going, hey, Dave, can you come over here? Hey, Dave, can you help me? Hey, Dave. So they go, hey, let's go fish. And I'm always like, yeah, that sounds like fun. We get the tackle box. We get all the poles together. We drive to some place. And we're out there for about four minutes. And I'm doing this with the bugs. And they're like, dad, dad, can you please? Dad, dad, come here. And I'm like, I hate this. This is not fun. What are we doing? This is terrible. So one time, Kate and I went out on this little date fishing, and she pulled this, she was pulling bass out of the retention pond like crazy. She pulled this huge huge fish out, and I was like, we gotta take a picture of that. But, you know, being a true woman, she was like, I'm not getting in the picture. I was like, you caught the fish. It's your picture. Like, no, you you hold it. I'll take the picture. So I was just messing around, and I I just thought, you know, we're just gonna take a picture to memorialize this fish. So I kind of flexed and was being goofy, and she took this picture. Well, then she decided, this was a couple years ago, back when we were still on social media, she decided to post it on Instagram. So she posted it, and this buddy of mine who fishes all the time, he's a pastor in Missouri, he loves to fish, 
he took a screenshot of the picture and then directly texted me and said, this is the most embarrassing photo I've ever seen in my life. You obviously have no idea how to hold a fish or even what you're doing fishing. We need to spend some time together and you need to delete your wife's account so she can't post these pictures of you. Anyway, here, I'll show you the picture. It proves how little I know about fishing. That's how it's... It's terrible. All right, here's the point. Thank God he hasn't called us to become anglers. We don't have to go fish for fish. Sad, I know. But I would suggest to you this morning that if you're not fishing for people, you're probably not really following Jesus because followers fish. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, and he wanted his disciples and everyone after that to do the same. And so at Itown, we have made that our main objective. It's the number one first word, reach, 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 reach. We gotta do what we can to reach people. In fact, we have a saying here that we'll do anything short of sin to reach God's lost kids. And if you've been here for any period of time, you know that's true because we'll light stuff on fire, we'll pull cars out on stage, we'll give away ice cream. It doesn't matter. We'll do whatever it takes because we're trying to win hurting people to Jesus. That was the mission. That was the reason why he came. In fact, as he left earth, he said to his disciples, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. He didn't say, I want you to develop three or four really deep friendships and get in the word and spend your whole life with Christians. He didn't say, I want you to make sure you have really anointed church services that exclude people that don't understand who I came to be. He didn't say, I I want you to make sure that you wave your finger at the world that's hurting and lost because of their sin and make sure they feel really guilty for it. No, Jesus said, look, it's good news. I want you to go everywhere and tell everyone. Go everywhere, tell everyone. Say it with me. Go everywhere, tell everyone. Say it again. Go everywhere, tell everyone. We exist as believers. The reason why there is breath in our lungs is because we have to go everywhere and tell everyone. Everyone. It's the message of the gospel. It's the good news that Jesus came to pay the price for the sins of humanity. And I just want to pump you full of a bunch of vision today that God wants you to be a part of that process. There's no Christian excluded. Every one of us are supposed to play our role. And I want to motivate you as we leave this building to serve thousands of people in our communities this week all across the state. We need to understand that every one of us plays a significant role in this And I want to motivate you because God has called us to make a difference. Our world needs us now more than ever before. We're going to hang out in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 36. Jesus is moving along in his earthly ministry, and he sees this crowd. Because I know some people don't like big churches, but Jesus had a big one. There were thousands everywhere he went. You know why? Because he had life, and it was changing people's lives, and they knew every place that gives hope and every place that breathes life is full of people because people are hurting. And so Jesus was anointed to bring healing and change into people's lives, just like the body of Christ is today. But when he looked out, he saw the crowds and had compassion on them because he saw their condition. They were helpless. They were harassed. And they were like sheep without a shepherd. Number one, if you and I are going to make a difference, we have to take the step to become aware. It's very easy in modern day culture, especially if you live here on the north side of Indianapolis, and I know Bluffton's a wonderful place to live, it's easy sometimes to get isolated. As a Christian, it's easy to get insulated. 
It's easy to surround ourselves with just Christian friends and work maybe at a Christian business or maybe you're in a ministry and all of a sudden we lose touch of people who are hurting. So we have to open our eyes to what's happening in the world around us. If you go back to that verse, verse 36, Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible says. That word saw in the Greek doesn't mean to see with your physical eyes. It means to pay attention to, to become aware of. So Jesus is looking into the souls of people and he's seeing, not men and women and children, he's seeing people that are in pain. He's seeing people that are rejected, people that have been broken, people that are destitute and hopeless and they're looking to him for hope. And I just want you to know today, as I pause this message, maybe you're here and you wandered in to church maybe for the first time in a long time and you feel rejected, and you feel alone, and you feel forgotten and looked over, I want you to know that it wasn't an accident that you got here today. Because God wants you to know that he's never lost sight of you. He's never given up on you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He's got a destiny and a plan for your life that exceeds your wildest expectations. He loves you today, and so do we. He sees you. God looks out into humanity, and he sees the pain and the brokenness. We need to learn to do the same. We need to stop just living our lives in our own little bubble, seeing our own little problems, living in our own little worlds. We need to pick up our eyes and begin to see the pain around us. The CDC this week released some statistics that all of us were kind of expecting but didn't have yet of what happened last year. Do you know in 2020, 93,331 people overdosed in our country. That's a 30% increase from 2019. That's a lot of people. That's more people that died in the Revolutionary War. That's more people that died in the Korean War. That's more people that died in Vietnam. That's a lot of people. And so we have a big problem. You know, almost 70,000 of those were due to opioid overdoses. In other words, people that are trying to numb the pain. We said it for 18 months, and now we know that it's true. We are flattening one curve at the expense of all the others, and we don't know how many other statistics are gonna come out, but I'm just telling you, people are in pain. People are hurting. What's sobering that we need to realize as a church is that one out of every 20 Hoosiers admit to currently abusing painkillers, opioid painkillers, which means that there's probably somebody sitting on your road today struggling with this. And they need to know that pain medication is not the answer to their problems. You don't have to numb the pain. You have a God who will heal the pain, and we're here to walk you through it. You don't have to be a slave to that addiction. God can set you free. And we will walk you through that path because that's why we exist. We're here, but we can't make a difference if we don't see it. We can't make a difference if we don't understand it. In fact, another sobering statistic in 2020, we still were on track for the same number of abortions in our state. Even with the clinics closed for a short period of time, we didn't curb the number. We've averaged a little over 7,000 nearly every single year for the last several years. And I'm not trying to condemn those of you that have walked this painful path. We're not saying that you're a horrible person. All I'm saying is as a church, we need to wake up to the reality that 10% of life that should be born never gets a chance to take its first breath in our own state. And it's our job as a church to come alongside these families, to come alongside these little girls, to come alongside these women, and to help them understand this is a life, this is not a choice, and we are here to help you. If you don't, can't raise the child, if you're not in a condition to raise the child, you're in the wrong season of life, we'll help you. There are thousands of people that will raise that baby because they have a purpose and God has a plan for their life. 
and we'll help you walk the process. If you're in a place that you can keep the child, we can help you. We can surround you with people that would supply all of the necessary things to, to have the clothes and the car seats and the strollers and all the things that may feel overwhelming, along with all the counseling, the support, the relationships. We're not here to wave our finger. Look, the church is really good at making a point and really bad at making a difference. And the body of Christ needs to start making a difference and stop waving its finger at culture and blaming them for being confused by the enemy. It's our job to come in and help people experience the love of Christ and make a difference. Let's make a real change in our culture. Which is why we're already taking a portion of everything you give and funding organizations that come alongside ladies who are hanging in the balance of this choice and help them to choose life. At the same time, there's over 5,500 people in our own state who are homeless. No place to lay their heads at night. Over 400 families homeless. It's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us to acknowledge for those of us that have never been homeless, but we have to begin to educate ourselves to how they slip into this place and stop being judgmental of, well, if you just work harder, if you just get a job, this is America. I mean, I don't understand. It's because we don't understand. It's because we don't see that you have to have money for a down payment on rent in order to have a deposit to be able to rent an apartment. And if you don't have credit history, if you have something in your past, they probably won't give you the contract. They won't give you the ability to rent. And so then you find yourself renting hotel rooms because it's the only thing that you can afford. And while your money goes to that, you can't build up money in order to get into an apartment. And you love for your kid to have a bedroom, but you just can't give it to him because you can't find a job because you don't have an address, and because you don't have an address, you can't get a job, and because you don't have a job, you can't get an address, and you're stuck in this cycle of hopelessness. It's our job to make a difference, to find solutions, to come alongside those people, because God help us, the government will not and cannot solve that problem. God has ordained the church to be the solution for these issues, and it's our job to step in. It's our job to figure it out, and collectively, we can I love John chapter 4. Jesus said it this way. Don't you have this saying, it's still four months into the harvest? He's playing off this culture of farming, and they would have a saying of, hey, we can, we can chill out, man. We can relax. It's not our season to harvest. And Jesus is kind of playing into that. In modern-day Christianity, it would sound like, hey, it's still a few months before our kids graduate. It's still a little while before I get married. I'm just in a busy season. It's the summertime. We're just taking a break. It'll, it'll all be okay when I get a little bit older. Or I could really contribute financially when I make a little bit more money. And all of us say, it'll happen in a different season. And it's a trick of the devil because the reality is Jesus said, would you please just open your eyes? Because it doesn't take a lot. It's the barista you're already buying coffee from. It's the person that you live next door to. It's the people that you're at work with. The fields are ripe for harvest. The reality is people are hurting all around you, and we cannot wait until this next season. Now is the time for us to make an impact and a difference in people's lives. Because here's a sobering thought. Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors because God is making his appeal through us. Think about this for a minute. What if you are the only Jesus people in your world will ever see? Are they getting a clear picture? Because everything in the world is trying to get us to focus on ourselves, to focus on our world, to focus on our problems. And Jesus is saying, guys, would you just open your eyes? Would you just pick up your head and see? There's people all around you that are hurting. 
there's a difference that I need you to make right now. We got to become aware of how much pain there actually is and how much of a solution you actually can be. And so here's what he says. This is fascinating. As he continues, he sees the crowds and he sees their condition. So he says to his disciples, you know, the thing that's interesting is the harvest is plentiful. There's lots of lost people, but the laborers are few. The workers are few. I think the body of Christ is a little bit like America right now. And this isn't meant to be a political statement, but I just wonder how in the world can we be in a labor crisis and an unemployment crisis simultaneously? You help me figure that out. The only conclusion I've come to is that the government's gotten in the way. I'm not trying to... Now, so in the body of Christ, we have plenty of Christians, but we don't have any workers in the fields. What if the church is getting in the way? What are we doing wrong that's not empowering people and enabling people? Why do we have so many Christians collecting spiritual unemployment checks, eating while not working, sitting on the sidelines of Christianity while the world dies and goes to hell that you and I are called to reach? Why do we fill auditoriums and we, can't, we don't have anybody doing outreach? I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I am trying to pastor you well today. And I'm just telling you, now is the time for us to get in the game. Now is the time for us to wake up. Now is the time for us to pick up our eyes and realize the harvest is plentiful. And maybe, just maybe, it's my job to be involved. Because everybody wants the church to have homeless ministry. Everybody wants us to minister to people at uh, abortion clinics. And everybody wants us to go out and, and be around those that are hungry and, and clothe those that are naked and counsel those whose marriages are in trouble. We just don't want to be the ones to do it. It's good that it's being done. We all think it's a good cause. But we're all kind of pretty busy on Saturday. I got my full schedule. You know, we got youth sports, it's coming. It's gonna dominate our lives. We gotta wake up. Jesus said this, here's the solution, verse 38. Would you ask, would you pray? It's a spiritual problem. It's not a natural problem, it's a spiritual problem. And spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the field. So number two, here's what I'm asking, is that you and I would commit ourselves to prayer. You know why? Because even as the pastor of this church, I get selfish. Even I have seasons that I forget. Even I need to be reminded, and I pray every 21 days, God, would you remind me of my calling? Would you bring fresh passion for lost people? Would you remind me of the reason why you're allowing me to stay alive? Remind me of the fact that heaven and hell are just a breath away and that our message is urgent and there are hurting people everywhere I go. God, help me to, rem to be reminded of the mission that you have given us to seek and to save that which is lost. We have 21 days of prayer where we help as a spiritual catalyst for your own journey. August 7th through the 27th, you can come. And we're gonna seek God. We're gonna ask him to stir our hearts. We're gonna ask him to enable and empower our church and the people around us, the big C church, the body of Christ, to be mobilized, to begin to make a difference in the world around us. We're gonna bind the devil. The Bible says whatever is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. We're gonna take authority over the satanic spirit of the Antichrist that is blinding the hearts and minds of people in our nation and trying to take our country straight to hell. And we are going to forcefully advance the kingdom of heaven and we're gonna be empowered by the Holy Spirit with the gifts that God has given us. And we are gonna be ready at the end of that 21 days to charge hell with a squirt gun. It's gonna be great. 
But here, I just want to let you off the hook for a minute, because some of you think, man, if I jump in, it's overwhelming. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. My work was to plant the seed, and Apollos' job was to water it. But God is the one that made it grow. So just pause for a minute and remind yourself of the fact that you're not the Holy Spirit. Man, that's a refreshing thought. Because that's the problem with the church. We love to tell everybody where they're wrong and all the sin in their life. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Bible says he's the one that brings conviction. Our job is to bring light. We're supposed to show them how good it can be when you serve God and how awesome it is instead of, we're not judge, we're not the jury. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So find your role. You don't have to be everything to everybody. You can't be God to people. So just do your part. Paul said, I'm really good at planning, but God knows I'm not hanging around to water anything. That's Apollos' job. He's good at watering. And I can just tell you, I'm a great seed planter. I'm going to get you fired up, and then I'm going to let you go. Somebody else is going to come along and check on you, see how you're doing, because they're going to water. We have other pastors that do much better at watering than I do. I'm really good at planting. you got to know your job and be okay with the role that God has placed you in and allow everyone else in the body of Christ to do their job, because collectively, all of us do a great job together. But let's pray. You can't find it unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. And so let's pray. We're going to be aware. Man, the world is hurting. I'm going to commit it to prayer. God, would you motivate me? Would you show me? Would you help me? Would you empower me so that I can make a difference? And then Jesus saw that they needed a shepherd. They needed some leadership. They needed somebody to step in. So number three, you and I, we have to simply show that we care. Let's begin to take steps to make a difference. I love James chapter one. He says it this way. Real religion, this is the message paraphrase. The kind that passes muster before God the Father is this, to reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight. To reach out. Now, there's lots of people who come here looking for Christ, but there's a good percentage, maybe 50%, statistics say, of the population that will never on their own darken the doors of a church. That means it's our job, if we're going to save half of our population, to get out, to reach out, to go out there, not get them in here. We want eventually for them to come here, but this isn't the only answer. We've got to go out there, into your world. And then I love this word plight. In the original Greek, that word plight literally means affliction or pressure. I want you to take just a 30-second journey with me to think about the pressure that is created by the condition that the Bible's describing. Think about being homeless. One of those 430 families in Indiana who are homeless. Think about the pressure that creates of where are we going to sleep tonight? There's a lot of great organizations, but you can't stay at any of them forever. Where are we gonna eat? What are our children going to wear? Their shoes are wearing out. They, we, we need to get them in school, but we don't have an address. How do we get them on the school bus? Where does the bus stop for homeless people? The pressure that's created in that. You know, the church's job is to alleviate pressure. Real religion, real religion helps people in those moments of incredible pressure. Real religion looks at a child that's been bounced through the foster care system and never adopted by a family, aging out, no longer able to live with anyone else, and the government says, you're now an adult, good luck, 
They don't have anybody in their corner feeling abandoned by everyone in their world, unwanted, maybe abused. Lord knows the heartache and the tragedy they've already walked through, and now they're considered an adult. Where are they going to live? What are they going to do with their life? Who's coaching them? Who's helping them? Where are they going for Thanksgiving? Where are they going for Christmas? Who's buying them a birthday present? Probably no one is the answer. You think about the pressure that creates in a young person's life to figure out how are they not gonna end back up on the streets? How are they not gonna end in selling drugs? How are they not gonna sell their body? How are they not just gonna fall back into the life their parents were in that created the condition that they found themselves in in the first place and it's the reason why generationally it perpetuates itself. It's our job to take care of that pressure in a person's life. It's our job to step in. So I wanna challenge today your definition or understanding of maturity, because I would submit to you that Christian maturity is not defined by how much you know, but by what you do. It's wonderful to know the Bible, but I'm sick and tired of Christians that want to sit around in their cushy chairs and argue all day long about eschatology and Christology while the world outside these walls is dying and going to hell. We step over five people who need our help on our way to attack another Christian who's trying to make a difference. We're sitting on Facebook trashing other ministries that are reaching people while we are missing our own calling. The Christian organization is the only organization on earth that violently attacks itself, and we call it accountability. It's absolutely disgusting. If your ministry is tearing down other ministries, you have no ministry, because the thing that Jesus left was an organization that would move to reach People that are far from Christ, that has been and always be the only reason why we exist. We are here to tell people, you don't have to die in your sins. Jesus paid the price for them, and we are here to help you. Now, this will not make you popular in all kinds of Christian circles, and I know that I-Town gets its fair amount of attacks, and to be quite frank with you, I don't care. I don't care. The religious people hated Jesus, too. So hate us. Call us Christianity light. Call it fruity pebbles. Call it whatever you want. We've seen over 40,000 people cross from death to life. They are not going to hell. They are headed to heaven. And we have only scratched the surface of the millions of people that we are called to reach. And until my dying breath, that will be the only thing that we focus on. And to be honest with you, I really don't care if you like that vision or not. This is the reason why we exist. This is the reason why we're here, and Christians lose sight of that, and they shoot other Christians instead of shooting the devil. You know if the entire body of Christ would stop attacking each other and start attacking the devil, we would have revival? Because we got to keep the main thing the main thing, Jesus crucified and is raised from the dead. And that means that the good news of the gospel is available to every single person. The Bible says never walk away from someone who deserves help. Because your hand is God's hand for that person. God wants to use you in an amazing way. You and I are tangibly the expression of Christ in the world. It's time for us to make a difference. And look, I love scripture. I love studying it. I've used Greek words in this message. But I just want to remind you that people who are drowning don't need the Greek word for life raft. They just need you to throw them one. They just need you to call them and say, hey, don't take your life. We love you. We're here for you. Hey, don't go back to those drugs. Where are you at? Where are you sleeping tonight? What are you doing? Who are you sleeping with? How much have you taken? What are you watching? What's on your phone? Hey, I care enough about you to love you and to care for you. They just need somebody. 
You don't have to be a theologian to do that. You don't have to be a Christian for a long time. You just have to actually pick up your eyes and care about the people around you. I think it's time for us to do that. And this week, we're going to give you a head start. It's run week, which means we have lots of projects for you to jump into. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can sign up to serve today. We're going to give you a free t-shirt. There are opportunities right after this service at both campuses for you to jump in to serve. We're going to be packing meals for people who are living in hotels that are stuck in that medium place. And you can sign up to go deliver those meals and to tell them, hey, God loves you, so do we. What can we do for you? Can we pray for you? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Thank you so much for the precious opportunity to love you today. We're also going to be signing cards and writing letters for those who are incarcerated to tell them, hey, your best days aren't behind you. They're ahead of you. You're not defined by what you do. You're defined by your Jesus that gave his life for you. We want you to worship with us while you're there. Worship with us when you get out. And you're going to see your full potential come to pass because we are for you. God is for you. We love you more than you could possibly imagine. It's time for us to make a real difference, church. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 5, let your light shine so that others will see the good that you do, not the good that you post, not the good that you say, but the good that you do, and they'll praise your Father in heaven. It's our job. Now is our time. Back to our text one last time. He says, would you pray about it? Spiritual problems require spiritual solutions. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest field. I want to close this message by reminding you that followers fish. We're supposed to go everywhere and tell everyone, number four, as we serve this week, we have to be ready to share. Because we are going to deliver meals. We're going to deliver hygiene kits. We're going to deliver backpacks for foster children. We're going to help in tangible ways our community. But we're only doing that because we want to attach the gospel to it. We're creating an opening, an opportunity, a window to share Jesus. Because social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. It's not. We can send a whole bunch of people with full tummies straight to hell and the Lord will not be proud of us. You might be proud of yourself, but Jesus ain't proud of that. That's a waste of kingdom dollars. We're going to put resources in places that actually save lost people. And I want to remind you this week that the reason why we're doing this is because eternity is attached to it. Revelation chapter 12 says it this way. They triumphed over the enemy, speaking of the church, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. The double-edged sword that's effective to win lost people is the blood of the Lamb. That's the sacrifice of Jesus, the good news that he told the disciples to preach. Go everywhere, tell everyone. Go everywhere, tell everyone. Hey, look, Jesus died in your place. You have been forgiven and you can be set free if you'll just surrender to him and accept it. He'll erase all the sins of your past, which means that your past is like it's brand new. It's like it never happened before. And God will give you a brand new start. He'll put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You no longer have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to wallow in this addiction. You don't have to be defined by your past. Your best days are ahead of you because God's Spirit will come to live on the inside of you. And greater is he that lives on the inside of you than everything that you'll ever face in this life. I'm telling you, it's the good news of the gospel. But what makes that powerful is the other side of the sword. It's the word of your testimony. Because then you close the deal with, and look at me. You see, the devil would love for you to be ashamed by your mistakes. He'd love for you to bury the problems of your past. 
because you don't want people to think you were ever less than perfect. But nothing can be further from the truth. Paul says, I boast in my weaknesses. I'm telling people about the areas that I struggled. You know why? Because Christ's power works the best in those areas. It's the opportunity for Christ's light to shine the brightest. So you tell them, God has a plan and a hope for your life. And the reason why I know that is because what he has done for me, he will do for you. And let me tell you how I used to be addicted. Let me tell you how God set me free. Let me tell you how God raised my marriage back to life. Let me tell you how God brought my kids home. Let me tell you how God turned my finances around. And what he's done for me, he'll do for you. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Church, if you'll capture this, I promise you, you will never be more alive. When is the last person that you led to Jesus? If you get back into soul winning, this whole thing will come to life and you will never have more fun following Jesus. You know why? Because followers fish. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to pray for you that God would empower you this week to find the place that he's called you to serve so that we can go by the thousands and make a difference. But first, I know that there are those of you who are here and you came here searching for hope, riddled maybe by brokenness or shame or the failures of your past. The devil's probably tried to tell you that you need to give up. Nobody could love a person like you. It's too late for you, too many mistakes. Nothing could be further from the truth. The reality is no matter where you're at or how you got there, God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. This moment is not happening by accident. He loves you today. And all he wants is a relationship. I'm not inviting you to religion. I'm inviting you to relationship. Jesus wants to be in your life. If you'll take this step to surrender to him, he'll make you brand new today. He'll put his Holy Spirit on the inside of you and everything in your life will change. If that's you, I wanna pray with you before we go. I'm not gonna make you stand, not gonna have you come down front, not trying to single you out or embarrass you at all. I just wanna connect you with Jesus. If that's you, wherever you're watching service today, would you do me the favor to take the bold step with no one looking around, to lift your hand up high and say, Dave, that's me, would you count me? And come on all across the room in the lobby, Bluffton, at all the correctional facilities right now, just put your hand up high, say, Dave, that's me. I'm ready, yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing, all across the room, I'm so proud of you. All right, you can put your hands down if you haven't already. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna lead you in this very simple prayer. You can pray it quietly in your heart. You just need to mean it. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. I repent today of all my sin and I surrender to you. Come and take control of my life. Give me a brand new start. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Then just tell him, I place my trust in you. Come on, tell him that. I place my trust in you. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person here and for what an army you're raising up at I-Town. People that'll go from this place with their eyes open, ready to see the need in the hurting world around us. God, thank you this week that you'll empower us by your Holy Spirit to be a light in the darkness. Thank you that you'll help us to make a real difference. God, we don't wanna make a point, we wanna make a difference. We wanna serve hurting people. We thank you that you'll empower us to make the state of Indiana a hard place to go to hell from. 
God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said amen. Amen. Come on, would you celebrate with those who prayed that prayer today? Thank you so much for joining iTown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or, of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now, for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon. God bless.